Hi, welcome to the Faces of Leadership podcast presented by the Zac. I'm Scarlett Zhao from the Zac Class 2021. Together with my cohorts, we explore how the definition and profile of leader in PR has evolved over time. In the next few episodes, we speak with a variety of PR leaders from different backgrounds to get their thoughts on different aspects of leadership. In today's episode on leading as an introvert, you'll be listening to our host Canon Man talking to Claire Johnson Taniska, Director of Ethical Communications and Public Affairs at Johnsons and Johnsons. In this episode, Canon and Claire share their thoughts, experiences, and challenges of being an introverted leader. Enjoy listening. Hello, and thank you for downloading and listening. My name is Canon Man. I'm deputy director of marketing at University of Nottingham, and today we'll be discussing leading as an introvert, a topic that's been puzzling me over the past few years. And being an introvert myself, it is something that I've been exploring as part of my personal leadership development. Joining me today on my journey is Claire Johnson Tuninska,、uh, dialing in from Poland. Claire has worked for Johnsons Johnsons、uh, J and J since 2017, following a consultancy career built across seven London agencies. She currently holds the position of Director of Communications and Public Affairs for the Ethicon business. As a member of the functional regional leadership team, Claire has led her function's Comms Academy Skills Curriculum and Race Diversity and Equity programs. A mentor both within and outside J and J. As a University of Roehampton alumna, today she serves on the university's development and health advisory boards and mentored fellow alumni since 2015. And I'm also honoured to have Claire as my mentor as part of the exec course. So welcome, Claire. Thank you. Wonderful to be here, and it's just been so wonderful to get to know you,、uh, Kenan, during these last what are we eight nine months? Yeah. So、um, yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure to be here. No, thank you. No, thank you for your time. I'm really excited to talk about this subject with you because we've discussed this many times in our sessions. I suppose the first question is: Do you consider yourself as an introvert? I would. I mean, I can only talk about where I feel I sit on the spectrum of introversion, but definitely, I actually remember the first time that I heard the term introvert and an actual description about it. And I was in my West Hampstead flat. I was ironing, and I remember it vividly. And I just stopped. I was just listening to a podcast. I stopped, and and suddenly, this identity crisis I'd had for a number of years in my career at that point, I suddenly was like, "Oh my god, it's not just me. There's many of us. <laughs> in fact, up to fifty percent of the the population. Hold on, am I normal?" <laughs> So it was a real kind of revelation for me when I heard about this personality trait of introversion, being an introvert. So yes, I'd certainly、uh, say that that's how I identify myself. Yeah, because I've only recently heard introversion only like only a few years ago. A member of the senior team was holding a town council, and he just said casually, "Oh, you know, I'm an introvert." I was like, "Oh, what? What is that? Is that something that a leader should be or shouldn't be?" Because I feel like introversion or introverted behaviors are sort of confused with like shyness and confidence. And as I start to explore the introversion, I think introversion, shyness, and confidence are three separate things. I don't know if you feel the same way. I one hundred percent agree. Introversion being a spectrum, I think just because. 
you identify as an introvert and I identify as an introvert doesn't mean we have exactly the same types of traits and that we behave the same way in a certain situation. I think that it's very broad. And I think I've known people when I was back in my school days, right the way through my career, where I can look back now knowing what being an introvert is and say, oh, that person was an introvert. And I don't think anyone who knows me would say that I was shy because I don't necessarily have or that I, I'm perceived as shy, whereas I've certainly seen people describe others that I've known as introverts as, as shy, but they're very distinct different things. I don't think anyone's born to be nervous or embarrassed about being in certain social situations. But in preparing for for speaking with you today, I was thinking about, could it be almost a self-fulfilling prophecy? Could it be that as an introverted individual, go into these social situations? And if the reaction to the way that you behave in that situation, so maybe you're kind of holding back, you're not kind of wanting to be the centre of attention and spotlight on you. You're perhaps more cautious being around new people than others, more extroverted traits. I've thought, I wonder if it actually is a self-fulfilling prophecy that you are perceived as shy because your confidence has been knocked in how people have responded to you in those situations for not being the traditional extrovert. What do you think about that? that Ken and I only had this thought this morning and I'm thinking I can only speak for myself but I wonder if this is how other people feel yeah because I don't see myself as shy I am quiet but I again I don't see myself as shy because I do enjoy going to social events and I love networking and and finding and speaking to people but then I suppose I need that time afterwards just to sort of calm myself down or calm my thoughts down because I suppose speaking to people and even in like in a work environment you are constantly on and I suppose as a leader as well you are performing in inverted commas as well so that takes a lot of prep time for me as someone who likes to prepare things and then afterwards I just need that time to just to check where I am I suppose mentally and physically as well. Yeah. I remember telling Elizabeth, who of course we all know, about the situation at the first uh, face-to-face event when I didn't know anyone there. I'd never met Elizabeth before. I remember it was lunchtime and everyone flooded down to lunch and everyone was buzzing and chatting and I just walked in and it sort of hit me. And I'd never had this situation before necessarily, but it just hit me like, whoa, too much stimulation. No, 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 no. And I backed out, literally almost tiptoeing back out. And I called my husband. (laughs) I just said, I don't know what's happened to me. Like, I can't, this, I've just walked into this room of complete like-minded people. I'm loving the event, but I'm just completely overwhelmed by this situation. That was kind of a reaffirming for me as well that um, networking and things like that you know we're talking about business that can be harder when you're an introvert you know I didn't meet anyone apart from Elizabeth at that event which is not great really yeah so those sorts of situations I think I wouldn't describe myself as shy like if I'd been introduced to someone and started a one-to-one conversation 
Mm. I would have been fine. I would have held my own, really enjoyed learning about them, whether they were an extrovert. You know, I can normally judge as well what kind of traits they have. And um, extroverts often like to talk about themselves. So you often do a lot of listening and (laughs) ask a lot of questions. And they think they've had a wonderful conversation when all they've done is talk talk about themselves, which is brilliant. That's how you get to know people. But yeah, it's, it's those sorts of situations which I think can, you know, reaffirm where you feel comfortable. And when I got home that night and actually for the rest of the weekend, I really had to recharge from being in um, such a, a, mm. a such a situation. Yeah, it's that sort of that sensory overload that sort of hits you, especially at the weekend. Now, I, I've clocked myself getting annoyed at the, in the weekend because like the telly's too loud and it's taking me a while to figure out, you know, why am I annoyed? It's the weekend, I'm relaxing, I'm not doing any work. But just like certain things are just, and it's, I've only just realised it's like that sensory overload of, like that's, it's cumulative of the entire week. And then suddenly in the weekend, there's still like that noise and stimulus around you. And I haven't taken that time to just sit down in a quiet room and just gather my thoughts for just like 30 minutes or so. That's so interesting you say that. Uh, sort of a revelation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I don't, I, I enjoy watching things, Netflix, just often mindless things, just so my I can feel I, I'm decompressing. But my, my husband loves, loves podcasts, and I'm convinced that I hate every single podcast that he listens to, but I think he just listens to them too loud, that they're just kind of bouncing around the walls and, again, just sensory overload. I remember when I worked in the agency world, so seven different agencies I I worked in when I was in London, it was the classic conversation Monday morning. So what did you do over the weekend? And I used to lie sometimes. Like when I wasn't that confident in myself and I thought I was a bit weird, I'd be like, oh, you know, I went went for some nice walks, went to a park, met a few friends, da, da, da. Whereas actually, when I became a lot more confident with like, okay, this is who I am. But like, I stayed at home. It was brilliant. <laughs> I read a book. I chilled out. I had some just calm, quiet time. And that's why I'm able to have this chilled conversation with you on Monday morning, because I was able to recharge after being in this open plan, noisy office all week. Yeah, it is a revelation. I feel like I'd had a lesson in myself the first time that I heard about being an introvert and that it wasn't anything that's wrong with you, actually. It's just something to be celebrated. You know, it's it's a diversity in human nature, just like anything. And it's it's a shame, really, and I'm sure we'll go into it more, but it's a shame that there is this this bias almost against us introverts and maybe that doesn't allow us to feel confident or comfortable in our own shoes yeah definitely i think you know the entire world is sort of leans towards being extrovert and celebrating extroverted behaviors from school schooling you know teachers are encouraging kids to be in group work standing up in front of assemblies to do public speaking right into like adult life this sort of sense that being a leader you have to lead from the front and and this sort of driven behavior is the only leadership that is needed or wanted i suppose just following on from that point because i've always felt that because the there was like that lack of understanding from other people i always felt especially early on in my career that the issue was me 
And I felt like, you know, looking back, that's not really like a nice space to be in because I started to question me as me, as Kenon, as the person. And I started to fixate on changing who I am and started to ignore sort of my achievements because I suppose I was so focused on being more out there because everyone else was also interested in fixing my introverted behaviours and actions. And I know we spoke about this early on in the year about poor 360 feedback. I'm going to assume that you may have had similar feedback to me in terms of how how do you improve um, yourself and the feedback is, oh, well, you just need to speak up, speak up more or be more assertive. (laughs) I'm just wondering what's been your worst feedback? There's two sets of feedback. So in my previous company and my current company. So in my previous company, there was a recommendation because I was in the, the healthcare practice. We all worked on the same floor probably around 100 of us, all open plan. Um, And I kept quite close-knit just with my team. And I didn't feel the need or I didn't feel, I guess, sort of comfortable sort of building other relationships in other parts of the office. And it was recommended for me to be able to get to know each and every person in the office that I start a Coffee with Claire podcast, which for an extrovert would have been wonderful. I actually really loved the idea, but for me, it was like, oh, good grief. I, <laughs> it didn't happen. I got an email from Jane Jay about a, a, a job through, through LinkedIn not too long after that. But that sort of proactive advice would have been great for someone else, but just not me. And Similarly, I did a, a 360, almost beyond 360 if it's possible, very in-depth feedback program at the end of 20, 2020. And it's basically based on C-suite level leaders from around the world. Tens of thousands of them are interviewed by this company, have been for decades, I believe. And it's essentially identifying those leadership traits And then they ask you, as the person being analysed, lots and lots of questions to try and figure out, Okay, on these leadership traits, which were the reason that these leaders, these thousands or tens of thousands of C-suite leaders got to the top. Which of those traits do you have? Now, you can imagine the types of scales you were being assessed on because it was completely extrovert focused. And one of the pieces of feedback that I received quite directly. And the person who gave the feedback was quite candid. He said, well, what we found is that leaders who got ahead, got ahead because they knew the right people. And more importantly, those future leaders got ahead through making the right people like them and that merit was secondary. And I I was in this room when I received this feedback. I remember it very vividly just being like, what? So you're saying that I need to schmooze and make people like me to get ahead rather than actually just being a really high quality professional, a good leader beyond just these extroverted traits. And I just, I I was furious. (laughs) I just thought you, not just for me, but this is a very well thought of you know, world leader in this sort of, you know, leadership assessment type stuff. 
I thought this is what you're telling people that they need to be essentially that they shouldn't be themselves, that they should go around and schmooze and make pretend friends with the right people to get ahead. And I just thought it just sounds so like, you know, 50s old boys club. And again, coming back to that bias and that diversity issue. Well, actually, it's no wonder because the people they interviewed probably are all extroverts because that is the traditional leader that was all the self-help books and everything all the the business books told you to be how to make friends and influence people these sorts of books yeah so that was the most recent feedback just that just made me shudder and continues to make me roll my eyes at least uh, every few weeks when I think about it I guess you're not a big fan of personality surveys aha uh-huh. actually I am <laughs> I actually used to run, this is many, many lives ago, my second ever job in communications, I used to run personality courses for NHS professionals. Well, I didn't use to present, but I used to run them and arrange them. Actually, I really enjoyed being quite an introspective person. I really enjoyed understanding about the traits that I had. And again, this as you said, you'd had challenges thinking that you were the problem, which of course you're not. With me, the personality type events that we'd put on, it was kind of be red, yellow, green, blue. I know there's lots of other types, but these this was a quite simple one that we did. The red one being the fast way, the yellow one being the fun way, the green one being the fair way, and the blue one being the right way. And I'm definitely blue-green, so I want things to be very well thought through, overthought if anything, And then I want it to be fair. Whereas I was seeing that it was the very assertive, very quick decision makers doing things in the fun way, you know, bouncing off the walls, doing these types of workshops. Those were the people that seemed to be really leading. So it actually made me feel that I wasn't an anomaly, but I was part of a group of people in a a community who also enjoyed these types of ways of approaching problems and finding solutions. Do you not like personality uh, surveys? And if not, why not? Because I always think personality surveys, I think they should be only used for reference and they shouldn't be used to label team members because that survey was taken at a particular period of time. And as a manager or a leader, you should recognise that that team member answered those questions based on the environment that they were in at that period, not saying that, oh, that person is, I don't know, a particular animal and that's it. Because if they're an owl one day, they might be a dolphin the next day. And that's the human nature and that's the complexity of being a human. But I always find that, especially with facilitators, I had a really sort of funny experience where they ran the personality test and obviously I came out as not red but green. But then the facilitator, obviously, they said, obviously, it's really important to have cognitive diversity in your team is really healthy. But when we went through the results, the facilitator, their body language and their tone favoured more the reds and more the extroverted behaviour. And it was really funny when they're not teaching what they preach. That's (laughs) so interesting. And then um, we had to feedback and say, oh, now you know your personality type, what are you going to do next? So I could feel myself going, just saying this bog standard answer, saying, oh, I will be less introverted and be more proactive. And as I was saying it, I was eating my words at the same time. I was like, why am I put into this position again when, you know, 
my trait is not recognised, even with these facilitators of these personality surveys, where they are celebrating cognitive diversity. Yet I am, again, being forced to say, no, I'll be more proactive next time. Thank you very much. <laughs> that is such a shame. That sounds like a really rubbish experience. <laughs> or at least the presenter who we used to work with on these personality surveys, every corner of those personality traits was celebrated. There was no right or wrong. Actually, it, it also was, as you said, about you know not just being put in a box. You're not green every day. It does depend on the environment that you are or that point in time, how you evolve as well. So yeah, I'm sad for you that you had such a, as you say, someone who didn't practice what they preached and <laughs> made you feel like those areas of personality were not equal or equally valid or should be equally celebrated. That really sucks. And actually, I, it got me thinking to a, a situation. So I remember I was in Chicago many years ago at a huge global congress and had been put in a situation where I really had to step up as a leader and or in in to lead not necessarily as a leader but I remember just being in this situation where I was really passionate about it was something that had gone wrong as a perfectionist this was not supposed to happen it was completely out of our control it was an external vendor issue and I just became someone else and I look back at that point in time and I consider it as if I was a fly on the wall, almost like I put on a costume to be someone else and have actually very assertive, extroverted traits in that moment to overcome this very stressful, challenging situation. But yeah, it interests me that, and I think this is maybe a way of gauging you know, where you naturally sit on that spectrum of personality trait. You know, if you you can behave very, very differently in a specific situation you feel very passionate about or high stress or what have you. But when you look back at that situation, do you see yourself physically being that person or do you observe yourself being that person? And for me, it's definitely the latter. I remember, I, I see it in my mind's eye as if I'm a fly on the wall watching this situation. So... Yeah, it, it just sort of comes back to what you said about on one day you can be very different. So it just depends what day that personality survey was completed to where you might fall on that spectrum. I think it's because on that day, because I've always had that sort of feedback of, um, well, what are you going to do next? Oh, I'll be more assertive. And no one has ever, only till recently, especially with our sessions, clear, but nobody's ever addressed what that actually means to be more assertive or be more outgoing as a leader or be at the front within my personality trait and I suppose that journey I'm going through is really interesting at the moment. I'm going to add a layer of complexity to the discussion so I'm first generation Welsh-born Chinese both my parents are Chinese and even though I was brought up understanding Chinese culture and I speak Hakka with my family I was encouraged to be white and to fit in and now combine that with the stereotype that Asians are quiet and submissive so when you put all this together that's another aspect to acknowledge on my journey so this question probably asks for another podcast but as a woman of color and in a senior leadership role how do you pick which personal demons to check in or to keep in check without 
feeling overwhelmed that the whole world is against you? I've been through a journey over the last few years with this. I think actually my journey with coming to terms with being an introvert came first and this one actually came second. Throughout my career, I've pretty much until fairly recently been the only person from a BME background in the room. My mum's Welsh, as you, as you know, and I spent a lot of time in Wales, but I actually grew up in the, the Midlands in a village where, I say a village, it wasn't small, it's was probably 10,000 people, but I was the only person of colour in the village as well. So I also grew up just surrounded by white people. I don't think I knew that I was from an ethnic background until I probably was in my teens, to be honest. And what that meant then, going to London was just sort of insane. You know, I, I was just surrounded by lots of different people at university, lots of people from different diverse backgrounds. And then I went into communications and it all narrowed back in again. And I was the only, <laughs> I was the only person of colour again. And what I realised I was doing was I was trying to work two, three, four times as hard, my perfectionism just went, mm. you know, just exploded to the point where I was 100% affecting my work-life balance, but trying to get everything right. And actually, when I started managing teams, and this was feedback that I received, which was absolutely valid, in fact, when things went wrong, or where there was a situation where I felt like it absolutely had to get go right because it would reflect badly on me and thinking that I had, me as the person of colour in the room, had a lot fewer chances, strikes, so to speak. I would often micromanage, which I hate, but looking back, I, I did. I'd micromanage situations to make sure they went absolutely right. But over the years, it's often meant that I've picked my battles as well with things that I felt quite passionate about, which is disappointing for me, really, because it meant that even though I had a very specific and valid point on something, I actually just kept quiet. So not to rock the boat or just to keep the peace. And I've also found myself playing the extrovert, not to add on the another what I suppose what it might be seen as, although it isn't a kind of another minority aspect of myself, although as research is showing that, you know, as many as 50% of all of us are, are introverts. Yeah, so I think it didn't make me happy trying to be someone that I wasn't. And I don't think you can ever do your best work being someone that you're not. Um, and then something that we've talked about as well is, you know, working in communications, working in marketing, actually by not being yourself, and not putting yourself into your work, you're not only doing a service to yourself, but also the, those you, you serve, whether that's doing internal communications and it's other people in the organisation, or it's talking to an external audience outside of your organisation as well. It means that you're not going to be optimally reaching them and speaking on their behalf. And it means that that person may not find themselves in whatever messaging or project or whatever it is that you're putting out there that you're creating, they won't see themselves in that and may feel as underrepresented as you have. So I think it is, a, it can have its own podcast, I'm sure, but it's extremely complex. But at least for me, I found that when I've thrown to some extent, the biases out the window, and I've just allowed myself to be me, and say, well, if people don't like it, then that's actually on them I've been a lot happier and I feel like I've delivered much better work yeah definitely I'm only finding that out now especially if they don't like me 
then that's their problem, not mine. And that's how I'm going to go forward. And, and that's how I'm going to create the best work to be in that environment. Obviously, as we said at the beginning, that we are in the world that leads towards more extroversion and extroverted behaviours. How should one manage themselves, especially when line managers only seek or only respond to extroverted members of the team, especially in the context of career progression? Certainly, as leaders with our own line managers, I think that relationship can sometimes be easier in that they tend to be one-to-one conversations that you have with your direct line manager. So that aspect, I think, I personally have found, and I can only speak for myself as you know, one person on that spectrum of introversion, I found that to be not so much of a challenge, but being noticed in more group work and workshops and these sorts of situations where the extroverts are shouting loudest and maybe talking over and not to say extroversion is a negative thing at all. These are just some of the traits that we as introverts observe and have to manage. I think one thing that I often ask for if I know that a situation is coming up where I want to make sure that I'm seen, but that I also will feel the most prepared. You talked about preparation. I I love to prepare as well. If an agenda or a pre-read hasn't been provided in advance, I will ask for one very directly because I need time to be able to process what the ask is of being there in the first place, to start to you know, get the juices flowing myself in a quiet room without X number of people that I know and don't know surrounding me all having their own opinions. I need that quiet time before to reflect and to start to generate some of those ideas. And with my personality trait of blue green, then start to analyze them from all sides to make sure that they are the right way to go and that they're the fair way to go. And then at that point, when that event or situation or even just a a regular meeting, just a, a remote meeting comes up, I feel that I am confident in what I have to say and that I'm willing to speak up, that I'm willing to put my myself out there because I've almost stress tested what I have to say. So that's certainly how I manage myself as an introvert in those situations. But I also know, and this is something that I you know work on, that the fusion of different people's ideas, you know, that that teamwork aspect is so important for creativity that you need different perspectives almost to clash to create something new. And I also try to not hold back from being spontaneous if I can. And most importantly, I think it's about passion. I think if you, so again, just talking for myself, if I'm going into a situation I'm extremely passionate about, I actually have no problem being more outgoing and talking quite boldly about that. Like on this podcast, didn't have any feelings of reserve coming on uh, on here today because I really feel passionate about this subject. I think it's that balance between setting up the situation to succeed yourself so you can be the best version of yourself in that meeting in that event in that what have you while also being authentically you and celebrating who you are and your thoughts and how you want to go about being present in that space but then also having that sense of spontaneity so that you can allow for the fusion of different ideas and if that means in the break in the middle of that 
event or what have you say it's a workshop with a lunch break in the middle if there's one person that you've been listening to sitting back and listening to and you really like something about their idea why not pull them aside or see where they're sitting at, at lunch and see if you can have a one-on-one conversation because often I know I feel a lot more comfortable in a one-on-one situation and then rather it just being you against everyone it can be more about what you two have discussed and bringing that to the group I hope that answered your question yes definitely I think the preparedness I've always used that as my advantage so where there are sort of projects that like new ideas that I come up with that might not be ready or might not be suitable for the business need at that time I've always got something under my desk so if someone says oh we need an idea for this sort of campaign I'll just go aha I've got this campaign already written out with all the plans and all the ideas and then it's there in front of my manager to stress test and to share with my colleagues and so I think preparedness is a good well for me anyway is a good sort of tool to have Absolutely. Have it in your toolkit for sure. And as you say, it's an advantage, but it's almost like a superpower as well. You've come with, you know, fully fleshed out ideas. That is absolutely making you and making your team and your manager look good. I'm just conscious of time, but what should leaders do to create an inclusive environment? Yeah, I think there's a lot of situations over the years looking back where I feel like I could have flourished a lot more and maybe earlier if I'd had environments both physically and theoretically that was more conducive to who I am Um, like for example I spent two years working till 10 o'clock at night in the office everyone thought that I was just a workaholic no it's because it was quiet at that time in the office between 6 and 10 p.m was when I had the best ideas because I had time and quiet to think so I think in terms of physical environments the open plan office maybe it's had its day maybe there needs to be a hybrid version I know that a lot you know after the pandemic there's been a lot of talk about who needs to go into the office and when and we're certainly going through a revolution or, or a accelerated evolution of what the, the workplace looks like I started working from home in 2017 best thing that ever happened to me it was I couldn't believe how much work I got done I couldn't believe how creative I was the quality of my work that I could churn out much quicker than being in an open plan office I knew back then I could never work in an office again but that's just me again I think from a theoretical standpoint I believe that you need to and this comes back to your point and Kenan about personality traits people are not just their personality you can't just put someone in a box and say Kenan is an introvert, therefore he likes this, this and this. Although that would be an improvement than almost purely extroverted driven spaces and setups of the business world. I think it's about leaders being observant of the personalities and individuals within the the team and maybe asking rather than maybe it's about mixing up the tired tried and tested but you know maybe there's much better results that could come out of doing things differently which actually can be more inclusive for people with different personality traits who work in different ways I think experimentation would be a great idea and I think even pulling heads together and and saying you know how would you best approach 
coming up with ideas for this or going about doing that and allowing introverts, as we're here to talk about introverts, to feel like they're in a safe space to talk. So you wouldn't have an advisory board of extroverts and introverts saying about how they want to run meetings because that would not work. Extroverts would often probably just take the spotlight and um, introverts would not. So uh, yeah, I think you'd need a group of introverts or find different ways to be able to pull in that different advice and guidance to make the best and most optimal approach to being inclusive. Yeah, definitely. Because finding that quiet space in an open plan office is so hard at the moment, especially we're all going back to the office. I used to book my own meeting rooms. I'd say I'd have a meeting and I'd just work in the meeting room. Yeah, I do that now. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) Oh, classic. I block book certain days. (laughs) Yeah, I think finding that strength in that quiet leadership is key. And I think that's what sort of needed now more than ever especially with all the change that's happening in the business world and across the entire world I suppose I think it is quite a awkward journey to go through like a challenging journey because I think especially when the world is encouraging you to be bold and driven and you're trying to work out yourself and where you fit in within the world and also within that sort of spectrum but I do think that once you sort of recognise, like acknowledge introversion, you can really harness that power that comes with it. So, Claire, thank you so much for an interesting discussion. I could speak all day and talk about this subject all day with you. <laughs> Likewise. Um, but thank you very much for taking the time and, and sharing your insights. And I hope you've enjoyed listening. Um, please share your comments as we would love to hear your thoughts. And I hope to see you soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by The Zek. The Zek from BME PR Pros is delivered in partnership with Provoke Media and the Chattered Institute of Public Relations. The Zek is the first leadership scheme for UK-based, Black, Asian, mixed race and ethnic minorities PR and comms pros. The podcast series has been produced by Anaïs Merlin, Ben Roberts, Kenan Mann, Maria Adideran, Maxim Myers, Sabrina Keppel, Whitney Simon and myself Scarlett Zhao with the help of Content is Queen Studio. If you want to connect with us to continue the discussion, visit bmeprpros.co.uk or reach out to us on LinkedIn.